0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah
1: talk about songs. Talk about songs. Ooh, we do talk about them, don't we? And today we are going to be talking about nine songs. So kick off your Sunday shoes And get ready to pull up to a podcast in as much as you can pull up to something that is not tangible. I am your co-host of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, Mark Blankenship. And with me today for this special ranking episode is Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, co-host.
0: Fendiferously yours. Hello, Mark.
1: Uh, So, Sarah, why don't you let the folks at home know exactly which album we will be discussing today?
0: Uh today we will be discussing the soundtrack album to the 1984 feature film Footloose. Uh I almost can't believe we haven't done this yet.
1: I But we yeah, have not. It's here here yeah. we are at last. Uh
0: you will note that this is episode 120, so we are returning to our uh more or less regular schedule of doing a an album ranking episode on the tens episodes. Uh, We got a little off track for various reasons, which I stand by. Oh, yeah. There were Uh,
1: numerical significances that had to be dealt with.
0: Yes. And on which I ironically insisted. Thank you, Mark and listeners for tolerating that. Uh, Newer listeners, in case you have joined us since the last time we did a ranking episode, here is how they work. We go through the album in track order as the tracks appear on the album. Uh, we talk about the song, uh, we assign it a ranking. Uh, And the way this will work is that uh, the, uh, like your favorite song gets nine points, because there are nine songs, your least favorite song gets one point, and then all the songs in between get the corresponding point values. So my number one song get nine points mark's number one song get nine points and the patreon supporters have voted on this album and also ranked them parallel to us and their number one will also get nine points we'll tot all those up at the end
1: i will inevitably will... make some sort of addition mistake and then i will correct and it then,
0: yes that that oh. is a proud tradition that i'm starting to think mark is not actually even making these errors he just uh <laughs> he just enjoys having this tradition as do i um and there's always a lot of drama surrounding it. Uh, and then at the end, we will crown, I guess, a mayor of this small town or a king and queen <laughs> yes. of the footloose prom. Yes. And then I guess a class clown. I don't know. I don't really remember what um, what will work in that uh, metaphorical system. So without further ado, let us begin our extremely authoritative. Oh, yes. With the force of law ranking of footloose starring Kevin Bacon.
1: Uh clearly the thing that we need to do to start is to listen to a clip from the title song by Kenny Loggins which also opens the album. So without further ado, here is a clip from the song Footloose. Been I mean, who among us doesn't know that little guitar riff of? I mean, I can see Kevin Bacon dancing to it right now in my mind's eye.
0: Yeah. So I never realized how much it sounded like a didgeridoo until just. Oh, good point.
1: You're so right. Okay, Sarah. Before we really get started, I want to make sure that we talk about Dean Pitchford. Uh, is he? Is that
0: a name that you know? It sounds familiar, and I'm not sure why.
1: So Dean Pitchford in the seventies was a Broadway actor. He played Pippin in Pippin. He was in the off-Broadway original production of Godspell. But then by the eighties, he had become known as a songwriter. He wrote the song fame for which he won an Oscar. And then he wrote the screenplay for the movie Footloose. And as the screenwriter of Footloose, he knew that he wanted to have a companion album That wasn't like a typical musical, but that was a companion album of pop songs that fit the mood of each of the scenes in his film. So he wrote the lyrics for every single song on the Footloose album and then reached out to different composers to to collaborate with him so that he could create nine distinct musical moments that didn't necessarily all sound the same because they weren't all written with the same people. So unlike most popular soundtracks, which we think of as being cobbled together by some sort of executive producer, this was an album that, in a way, is the vision of a single artist in, uh, in in certain ways. The same guy that wrote the movie wrote every lyric to every song that we're going to discuss today, and to me, that makes this really fascinating, and I have a lot of respect for what he did because this it's like a total artwork, This this show, this movie, I mean, and... I feel like that, give, me, give or take my feelings about any of the songs we're about to discuss, I have a lot of respect for him, and uh, I doff my cap to his achievement, because it's a fairly unique thing, what he did.
0: Well, and it also, like, there are some issues with, um, I don't know what that, like, appropriateness lyrically, to what is happening on screen. Right. Yes. Um that are fairly co- at least they're consistent through the album. Um but there a, a number of times in my notes it's like you know this is a movie about fucking high school kids, right? Yes. And he did. So that's even more strange. But it's like that based on my But on yeah. the other hand, this is very like it's interesting that he wrote all the lyrics but then he he um had composers do the actual music part because they all but they all sound very consistent consistently of that year yes like even if you were here from space and all you knew was like other songs that were (laughs) popular or written around like 83 or 84 like that you would be like i zog can tell you that this was popular (laughs) in 1984 and you would be right
1: well and it's also hard to overstate how popular this soundtrack was uh of the nine it was
0: the second album and i owned it on lp it was the second album i bought with my own money the first one was uh vangelis sorry you know what I'm... you you found I'll your music at out. the
1: movies you found your music at the movies i
0: sure did
1: um of the nine songs that we are going to discuss today six of them were top 40 hits Uh, Two of them, including the song Footloose, were nominated for an Academy Award, and uh, Footloose also is one of the two number one singles on this album, which brings us all the way back around at long last to Mr. Loggins, Mr. Kenneth Loggins, or Kenny, (laughs) as he's known to his friends. Uh, I know that these, based on my research, I learned that Kenny Loggins had broken his ankle from a stage fall when he sat down with Dean Pitchford to write this song and Dean Pitchford was uh, suffering from strep throat. And yet somehow these two ailing men were able to produce what I think is a pretty damn catchy little ditty. I don't know. Oh, and also is obviously the perfect theme for a movie about a small town that has outlawed dancing and a group of kids successfully petitioned to get that outlaw overturned so that they can dance at their prom which is based on a real thing that happened in the late 70s that Dean Pitchford read about. So, Sarah, how do you feel about the song Footloose? Um, in the abstract, this
0: is an obviously extremely catchy and successful pop song uh, that we could all, like, sing and play all the parts of, certainly. Um, I'll play Jack, who gets back. <laughs> yeah. You play like Louise. The, like, <laughs> like, you know where all the little, like, interstitial things go? Um, so in theory, that's true. In practice, I have come to hate this song. Um, it could be the ubiquity. It could be because Kenny Logan sounds like he's trying to be friend, dad. Um, it like the lyrics aren't his fault, but like the, the bridge, his weird, like growly, almost Creole pronunciations, uh, the like wee wah interstitial sounds. I like I hate them. They hurt my ears. Now the guitar is overdone. Um, the fact that I have always heard the lyric as "I'm punching my car" and like now that I am, am like fully aware that that's not true, I feel like it lessens the song.
1: Well, and it's also because now it's another one of those songs like Janet Jackson's Escapade, where a super rich person fronts like he has a blue collar job.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's just not great, and it, it's, it just seems to go on a long time. It feels very strained to me now. Uh, of course, my relationship to, like, if I were just, like, at the fruit stand, like, squeezing some melons, and this came on, <laughs> so I wouldn't, speak. like, leave, because I hate it, but I, I do actually kind of hate it, um, and I your experience of um, listening to it, just listening to it, is different from your experience like h- listening to it, active listening for mass test prep. So that could be part of it. Yes. But I ranked this last.
1: Oh shit! I love it. Yeah, shots fired. So that's mm-hmm. ninth place, one point. And you know, listen, I get it. Uh, I do not feel the same way, and in fact, for me, listening to this song for Mastess, which as you were just suggesting, demands a closer amount of attention than I usually give to a song like this. Made me like it a little bit more because it's just so goofy that he keeps calling out the names of all these random people. It's like, I've been working... Well, and
0: it's this very weird Cockney, like, we're in Bonnie. Like, okay, you know, it just feels very strange to me. But usually my experience of, like, having to listen more closely for Masked does make me like songs more and not less. But this was a case where I was like, I, you know, boo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so for me... Sorry, I, Kenny. For me, it was definitely a, a step in the right direction or a step up because... I like the goofiness of this guy gets off work and then goes and calls his friends Jack and Louise and whoever else is referenced and they all go have a fun time. And I don't know. I just, I, I there's something agreeable about the bounciness of the guitar. So I'm into it. And I, I ended up putting it in third place and gave it seven points. And third place is Dang. also where the patrons put it. And they also gave it seven points. So, but, you know. So fuck you, Sarah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Well, the next song is uh, one that I specifically requested a clip of. It is a song that I will always, always associate with roller skating. It is the song that was playing the first time I ever did that really cool trick where you're skating. And then as you're skating, you crouch down and put your hands out in front of you. And you take the turn on the skating rink in a crouch. The first time I Uh ever successfully executed that move was while I was listening in the skating rink on the speakers to Let's Hear It For The Boy by Denise Williams. So let's hear a clip of that. My
0: baby, he don't talk sweet He ain't got much to say But he loves me, loves me, loves me I know that he loves me anyway
1: In the grand tradition of songs like My Funny Valentine, in which a no-account so-and-so is capturing your heart anyway, we get Let's Hear It For The Boy.
0: Uh, Yeah, totally.
1: This song also reached number one. It was the other number one single from the soundtrack. It was also an Oscar nominee for 1984. Both this and Footloose and Ghostbusters. And against all odds, take a look at me now. All four of them lost the Oscar that year to Stevie Wonder's "I Just Called to Say I Love You." That is some bullshit. Can't do anything about it now except still rage. No.
0: Yeah, and I will.
1: Uh, but to me, let's hear it for the boy. Though I acknowledge what one of our Patreon patrons said in a co- in her comment on our poll, which was that she remembered this song as feeling more substantive in its track than she than she realizes it actually is. That's true. This is a song who's basically being basically being played on your mom's Casio. Mm-hmm. I don't care. The bounce and uh, sass of this song is awesome. I think the lyrics to this song are great. I love Denise Williams' crazy ass high note run that she does at the end where she's just like, uh-huh. like ah! Like I don't even While
0: I while weighed down by like 14 pounds of acrylics yes. on her fingertips. Yes. Bless her heart.
1: I love this song now and forever. Uh it makes me happy. It is incredibly fun to sing along to, and also just the melodic changes of the like, what it does, he does so well makes me wanna yell, let's hear it for the boy. Like that word the way that the word let's is that sort of bridge into the next part of the melody. That is yeah. really satisfying songcraft. And it's fun to sing along because there's all of those little beats and moments where you can like you can feel where you're being guided, but it feels so sprightly at the same time that you can appreciate the sophistication of what's been made while still enjoying the lightness of what its effect is and that is why, for me, let's hear it for the boy far and away is number one with nine points,
0: huh. Uh, It actually might be one of my
1: number one songs of the entire 80s, and definitely would have been the one I gave the Oscar to that year.
0: Uh, I'm not sure I would have given the Oscar to this one. I think uh, I would have given it to Mr. Philip Collins, but this was absolutely my favorite song on the album when I was a kid, with the understanding that um, the LP... Uh, has four songs on the A side, and I almost never turned it over mm. <laughs> because the songs on the B side were like, "What even is <laughs> like? What's a Shalimar? We'll get to it. <laughs> Who's a Bonhoff? Car- Curla um, Bone Lock? know, this... <laughs> Bone Lock? What's that? This um, this is sort of like if you um we're doing a like Pointer Sisters, Whitney Houston mashup for your talent show. And you happen to have an extremely talented singer at your high school. This is what would happen, but there are worse reference to work off. I have always loved the joy and the peppy Casio. Uh, The lyrics do not do quite the sales job for this uh, trifler that the song might think, but maybe that's the point based on what we have heard about Dean Pitchford. Um, the video is the bunk. Um, there is every Jerry curl yeah. in five counties. Yes. And I'm pretty sure there's a guy in full football uniform and pads, but the uniform has fringe on it. <laughs> it is. Don't be amazing. mad. Don't
1: be mad. Sports and style, baby. Sometimes you got to get a touchdown. I am
0: not mad at anything about this. Uh, This may surprise you. But while it is not my number one song anymore, it is my number two song Uh, in this ranking,
1: eight points. Nice. And the patrons have it in a tie for first. This is the only tie that we have is for first place. And uh, that means they also give it nine points. And I'll also say this is the rare ranking episode where every song got at least one vote. Huh. Okay. I have some questions about who voted for something later, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I'm sure
0: (laughs) you, I'm going to have some questions too about a bunch of things, but shall we move on to Almost Paradise?
1: Yes, uh, which we don't have a clip for, but to me, this is a song that's performed by Ann Wilson of Heart and Mike Reno of Loverboy, and i found in my research, Sarah, I don't know if you came across this story, that uh, Ann Wilson had fractured her wrist Shortly before she recorded this. And because she oh my, didn't. What is with the like. What is with the injuries?
0: It's like is the soundtrack cursed? That's crazy.
1: Everybody was hurting themselves. But because she was afraid they would negatively affect her voice. She did not take any painkillers for her fractured wrist. Until after this recording. And she said wow. that when she was in the booth. Mike Reno made a sling for her. Out of his scarf. And they basically just leaned on each other. Oh. And she cried. While singing the song. Out of the pain
0: oh that's a wonderful story I, know. I love that
1: yeah like such a nice um, moment of support yeah.
0: i this was really at the height of like if you've watched the lover boy behind the music um it's a it's a burner so so you should uh you should definitely check that out if
1: you haven't already. i haven't and i've been watching a lot of them on youtube and you better believe i'll be watching that one next
0: present day Mike Reno is a sizable sight to behold. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but, um, 35 years ago, um, he was like poured into a pair of red leather pants and singing. Everybody's working for the weekend. And it was like, I don't, I shouldn't be having these feelings in my, you know, fifth grade private area. And yeah, I mean, he was hot. Here's the point. Um, and he could really sing. Uh, he had a perfect voice at the perfect time in pop music. And he like he had a headband and the feathered hair and he was hot. And they this is a very dated sound and it's kind of a rip on foreigner, in my opinion. But um, and this is a this is definitely a place where lyrically it's like. These are two grown-up people singing with adult voices. Like, this isn't like bubblegum pop. Like, this is adult pain that you're hearing, uh, literally, apparently, as Mark just explained. And... Like, this is a movie about high school kids who aren't allowed to have a prom. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to minimize the very real importance of prom and that high school students have concerns that are meaningful to them. That's fine. But this is one of several places in the soundtrack where I feel like lyrically, we're a, we're a, like maybe half generation ahead emotionally of where we're supposed to be based on what's happening in the movie. Fair point. But Mike Reno and uh, Ann Wilson really sell it. Uh, this mournful synth brings you right back to Couple Skate for sure. Um, the video, unfortunately, is trying to sell us on the idea that Laurie Singer can portray any um, emotion or situation past something in the refrigerator has gone bad. Um, she's, I mean, no, she's bad. She's a bad actress. Um she should not try to do it. And I don't know why she keeps fucking coming up on this podcast, but as you will recall, she figured in Don Johnson's heartbeat video novella as well. Yeah, She is not good. Like Lori Singer.
1: Ap- how did you get so yeah. popular on Nasty's?
0: Yeah. I don't, well, here's why she was cast in things because she had a dancer's body and a certain eighties look. And that's why she keeps coming up on like soundtrack shit. Right. Anyway. Um, I respect this song, but it's also like a little bit painful and dated to listen to. Uh there are many worse songs on the album, so it's right in the middle for me. Fifth place,
1: 5 points. Well, we are in pretty much uh an agreement on this. I will say that this is a this is the point where I really do want to reiterate my respect for Dean Pitchford because this soundtrack album plays like a drive home while you're listening to your favorite FM station. And yes. the, the 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 ballad comes at the right point after Footloose. And let's hear it for the boy. If I'm a radio programmer, I'm putting a power ballad right there. That's exactly oh, you what know he what? did.
0: The, the build of this album. Like we talk about this sometimes. Like I know we talked about it on the Janet Jackson ranking episode that it's like, why is this here? Like why put these songs that are like each other next to each other? The uh, narrative that is occurring like along the length of the album is is good yeah it's well built and it really good construction and it,
1: again it goes back to the fact that you have a, a central craftsperson who's shaping every element of every who's like shaping every element of the album and who's shaping the songs and it's not right, like sure. it's not like a soundtrack album where you're just like let me just take 20 classics and throw them on there and then you go buy this double disc Forrest Gump thing it's, uh, yeah. and I, anyway, it, as it's, it's, it is its own art object, this album. So that being said, to me, this song clearly is in the mold of Up Where We Belong, which had just been a hit a few mm-hmm. years prior. And Dean Pitchford would do this again in 1989 when he wrote the song After All, the theme song to the movie Chances Are, for Cher and Peter Cetera. Uh-huh. And if you think about Almost Paradise and After All, they're the same. They're the same song. They're twins.
0: They are twins. You're right. But
1: for whatever reason. This one's better. Just my opinion. Ooh, and to see. Sorry, I share. just. I disagree. I actually think that After All is better. I, I fucking can't with Peter Oh, Cetera. Fair enough. But I just. To me, After All is my preferred of the two. There's just something about Cher's uh, vocal delivery. I mean, I'm not ever going to take anything away from the glorious Ann Wilson, but I just think that the. Something about the chorus of After All is much more satisfying to me. Point being, this song is fine. I have no... It's fine. It's not my favorite, but it's not my (laughs) least favorite. I put it in sixth place, and I gave it four points. Huh. And the listeners put it in uh, slightly higher fourth place and gave it six points. So that's a fourth... That's about right. That's a fourth, fifth, and sixth place finish for this song.
0: Well, I am... uh... Let us not hold out any further to find out what everyone thought of holding out for a hero. I am very interested to hear everyone's uh, ranking and feedback for this one. Um, I have enormous respect for the unapologetic, balls out, turned up to 11 immediately and never stepping back from it for one second, song- craft and video craft that is holding out for a hero uh i was a little surprised that you did not call for a clip from this um i would also like to note that for whatever reason when my itunes imported this song from i guess i had the cd it listed it as holding out for the hero and And that's not right bugs the shit out of me every time it comes up in the rotation but I often skip it anyway. The incorrect article is not why. Here's why. She goes so big and so hard so soon. She being a, like she being Bonnie, Bonnie Tyler. Tyler, by the way. Yes, yes. That there's like nowhere to go. Like it. There's this like interpretive manic pixie dream dance club thing happening. On a ranch, there are multiple fires and people dressed like Zorro on, you know, dark colors laundry day, and it's very weird. Um, the the bridge definitely called to my, and the fact that I have this reference in my head is so sad. But regular listeners know what I, where I'm probably going with this. The bridge, I'm just imagining all that. Um like chorus members in Starlight Express whizzing past me on roller skates. This is a running theme. It's just very Broadway, but in the kind of way that this, you know, consumer does not care for. Um, so with respect and admiration for her absolutely planting a flag on this song and then setting it on fire and twirling around in a circle until she gets dizzy and throws up. respect for the effort, and yet it's only sixth for me. four points.
1: I could have predicted this. Uh, i I just knew that this was not gonna be Bunce's classic. yeah, because this no. song is was written uh, the music is by Jim Steinman. <laughs> My nemesis. Who brought us Meatloaf, which we've heard in an earlier episode. Sarah would like to kill with fire. Mm-hmm. uh He wrote
0: The fire to- in this video, I guess.
1: He wrote Total Eclipse of the Heart, which is Bonnie Tyler's biggest hit in America and is a much better song, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, ro- he wrote uh It's All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine Dion, which is a song that I've talked about a hundred times, and you all know that I danced an interpretive dance to it the night before my wedding he wrote making love out of nothing at all but he also wrote holding out for a hero and i think you've you've really hit the nail on the head sarah this song is it's good it's fine but unlike those other songs this one has one gear only and that gear is 10th gear. yeah and if it could have if it could have just like modified in any way if there could have been a slowed out bridge or something but instead it's six minutes long and it's the whole time and i know that sprinting is an important part of any athlete's training on the track but if you only sprint you actually do your heart a disservice yeah exactly and training yes here's the other thing you knew how
0: to do it in total eclipse of the heart which is just as like bathetically broadway but it has build like there is it there is an arc this is just like screaming on fire until you crash into the side of cocaine mountain yes like okay settle down
1: so i've never loved this song it was the uh lowest ranking of the six top 40 hits from this album i think it was number 33 34 somewhere in there but this song also gets an extra ding for me because it was a special favorite a particular favorite of a boy in college who was really mean to me and broke my heart so fuck him And uh and fuck you! It's a definite points off. So we're
0: like holding out for zero.
1: Oh, right? exactly. Oh. Um, so you put it in sixth place. I put it in fifth place and gave it five okay. points. But then the listeners, this is their other song that tied for first. <gasps> which it's is a—it's really startling to me. Like. I, I don't know why. I just never I mean, would have expected. I it's not that startling. If
0: they'd put the Sammy Hagar in first, I would have been like, well, first of all, I'm quitting. But second of all, what? And then third yes. of all, did I mention I'm quitting? But yes.
1: But, you know, I, I guess it's just because this one wasn't as big of a hit. I just assumed that everyone felt sort of halfway about it. But apparently, no. And it was a huge hit in England, to be fair. But mm-hmm. I know also that among our patrons uh is my husband andrew who definitely voted for this song so you know what y'all i'm gonna and andrew sang our theme song today so you know what this was for you my love boo now we we do yes single boo never never boo-boo on your husband Ooh, gross that doesn't no stop that's not what i meant
0: that's not what i meant i can boo-boo right on your face (laughs) right on
1: your face Oh my god, if if you are just hearing us for the first time, that was like 16 podcast jokes in a row, so apologies. Yeah, sorry. Please enjoy our back catalogue. <laughs> right, know. I think you should listen to our back catalogue. Me and the Duchess of D think that you should do it. And he's Soikis pineut <laughs> he's here to talk about it too.
0: That's what she said! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <sighs> oh, no.
1: Soicus Feynoot. Okay, Soicus Feynoot. Now, Sarah, we do have a clip for the next song that I specifically requested because there are certain times in my life that I don't need a song to be tasteful. I don't need a song to be classy. I just need a song to be its insane self. And that brings me to the R and B joint on the middle of this album, the, the like sexy R and B joint by Shalimar. Uh, this is to- Shalimar. Shalimar. This is top twenty peaking hit, "Dancing in the Sheets."
0: where the night never ends
1: his cock? I, I would say almost certainly. For a friend. Okay. Yeah. Just. <laughs> Call my friend, my friend Louise, who just got her foot loose from who knows what, <laughs> she just wanted to know.
0: <gasps> oh, God. Um. All right. I... I would say that this is a filler track that through sheer belief in itself <laughs> graduated to be something more. Um, <laughs> once again, a, I must point out that this is like, where, where is the movie set? Texas? Yes. Wyoming, like some, you know,
1: it's set conservative... in like an all white conservative hick town.
0: Yes. Um, and, these are high school students, and, you know, they d- like play fun chicken games with cars that nearly get them killed. But other than that, like they're 16 or 17. And here is Shalimar, <laughs> who appears to be a member of the DeBarge family who entered Witness Protection as Michael Jackson, um, singing about dancing in the sheets. Like, there is no part of this song that is. Not about fucking except maybe the part where he's like, make sure your friends know that you're leaving, which is weird. <laughs> Alamar, he's <Chalamar. laughs> the only um, one there's it. also like a guitar rumble in the video. It, I mean, it's very weird and it is di- so dated that it almost comes back around to timelessness again. I would say, yes, um, but I like. I found it like extremely enjoyable to listen to, and in fact, went back and listened to it again. And there was enough stuff on this album that I was like, I can't with you, that this ended up number three for me. Yeah. Seven
1: points. Well, listen, I'm here for it, and I'm here for that. And this is not a song that I would have ever in my entire life listened to had it not been for this episode yeah,
0: or even been able to pick out of a lineup that it's like hum two bars of Shalimar, like um uh cake or death death
1: all i knew about Shalimar was that they were the r&b trio that jody whatley was in before she went solo that was literally all i knew and she doesn't even have a vocal on this i don't know if she wasn't in the group anymore if she's just singing background this is i think Howard maybe she broke something and couldn't come that day? Yeah, maybe <laughs> she had like broken a, a a toe. Uh what the guys I'm going to look it up right now. Who are the guys in this group? Uh Shell and Amar. Oh, Howard Hewitt and Jeffrey Daniel were the two men and then there was also Jody Watley for a while.
0: Anyway, she was off looking for a new love.
1: Yeah, she was and she found it. Yeah, she did. Sidebar, Jody Watley won the Best New Artist Grammy in, like, 1986, and she had already been in Chalamar, so I never understood how that worked, but... You Neither know, either. Lauren Hill won the Best New Artist Grammy after she'd been in the Fuji. Yes. so who can say? I guess that's the thing. But, uh, you know, to me, though, this song is pretty great. It's, it's so... It's so oily in its sexiness. Like, it's just so, uh-huh. like, Hey, baby, I... Let me see. You know how far down this gold chain goes? Well, why don't you explore it till the end? Yeah, mama. I'm,
0: I mean, it's not even like, forget a double entendre. <laughs> I'm not sure it's even like half an entendre. Seriously. And it's, it's a non-tendre. He's just like, let's fuck. Get your coat. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> it's
1: a non-tendre. Ooh, it's a non-tendre.
0: <laughs> I gotta respect that he's like, you know what might be fun? Going to my bed, getting naked <laughs> in it, and having sexual intercourse. Like, you're not even gonna try a metaphor. Yeah. You know what?
1: I respect that. Everyone's busy. Let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I like to think about in times like this? Banging, let's go. <laughs> uh it was, I'd like to fuck her on the tennis court if you know what I mean. Uh, so I put this song Talking in... Talking about penis and vagina. Oh, God. Oh, I put this song in fourth place, six points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the listeners put it in sixth place with four points, which, of course, I understand. Yeah, me too. And then uh, you have selected a clip for the next song, if I'm not mistaken. It's the uh, return of Kenny Loggins.
0: Yes, it is. Uh, I'm free, parenthesis, heaven helps the man, end parenthesis. Um I really cannot defend the overwrought emo, before emo existed, milk on the snare, overwrought sound of this, which seems like a warm-up to that um, repellent and omnipresent Meet Me Halfway track that he perpetrated upon us all just three years later.
1: Oh, Sarah, okay. I love that song. I know it's bad. The lyrics don't make any sense. Meet Me Halfway's lyrics are, like, written by a Taiwanese computer, but I don't care. I love that song, well, but about I understand. it's a fucking
0: arm wrestling movie yes. starring Sylvester Stallone and the kid who played What's-His-Nuts on General Hospital. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Anyway, all of that is true. Once again, you have, um, you have a song that sounds like Pitchford just was like, try to make it sound like Christopher Cross, except you and that's what he did here's a clip that uh, guitar break in there because I wanted to um, point up the very uh montagephiliac <laughs> aspects of the song to use I'm a entendndra. Quite- I am a non I am quite uh, convinced that Kenny Loggins has a machine in his studio that looks like a juicer but is actually a montageotron. And he just dumps like some notes and occasionally like a piece of a metronome in there and then like a you know fetlock from an all white stallion and then he presses the button and then this kind of thing comes out. If I'm not mistaken, this does score an actual montage in the movie. I think it's Chris Penn learning to dance. Yes. I miss you, Chris Penn. Um, I only got into this joint recently because as I said before, I had, you know, I listened to side A and then it was like, I don't know what this like (laughs) minor league shit is (laughs) on side B, but I don't care and I'm not turning it over. Um, so I always skipped it, but I really like this song. I think this is absolutely the Montagotron's, um, best gold plated output by a mile, uh, this is excellent for old lady walks. I like to have it on and walk by the sea and picture myself in a montage um, uh, accepting a Pulitzer, you know, sure. that sort of thing, yes. which obviously you train for and then do, accompanied by Kenny Loggins. <laughs> my my brain is a really strange, uh, um, hostile-to-logic place. <laughs> Here's the point. Um, this is... This is like the most Kenny Loggins that Kenny Loggins is, and also the best that Kenny Loggins is. It's like um, double squared Loggins. And it's my number one song. Nine points.
1: Yes! Well,
0: Sarah... I, I think this position might be a somewhat lonely one with no one else even within sight of me in these rankings... What well, say you mark?
1: Sarah, I'm gonna shock you. I'm just gonna tell you right away. I put this in second place. <gasps> Eight points. Fuck. This is why our podcast, Marriage Works.
0: Oh man. I was just gonna be like, oh, the Renee to my Georgette.
1: <laughs> Walking <laughs> and our, our dog, dog Kenny um, Loggins. So um, I uh many years ago, in two thousand and two. I was the lead voice on a short-lived program on the Turner South Network called the Southern Movie Hound. Turner South is a network that only airs, as you might suspect, in the southern states. It may not even exist anymore, but it did at the time. And on the Southern Movie Hound, I was the voice of a dog named Dooley who watched movies with his cat friend Butter when their owner Dave went to bowl on Wednesday nights. And in between the scenes from the film and the commercial breaks, there would be interstitials of Dooley and Butter talking about the movie that they were watching. And Footloose was one of the cheap enough that Turner South could get the rights movies that aired as part of the Southern Movie Hound. And I will never forget that there was a scene that I recorded in the booth where I was meant to sing a sort of Dopey dog version of this song over the montage because I got so enthusiastic about it and I was like, and I dance it, I won't stop it. Dance, dance, yeah, come on, Butter. My voice for Dooley was a little bit up here. I oh, hold on, uh, my name's Dooley and I'm the southern movie hound. Okay, anyway, boy, that's you cannot find this show anywhere online. You can find, if you Google M- Mark Blankenship's Southern movie hound. I think there's like one random thing that comes up. But my parents have every episode on VHS. If you oh, ever yeah. want to see it,
0: I bet it is at the in the Paley Center archives. Yes, as well.
1: God God help us all. I hope it is. So <laughs> point being, that experience made me aware of this song in a way that I had never been before. This was the uh, this was the sixth of the six top 40 hits that we'll talk about today almost paradise peaked at number seven i don't think i mentioned that this song peaked at like 22 23 but that scene made me aware of this song and i have loved it ever since i think that it's got a little bit more muscle than footloose there's something about the about the, uh, the about the music that feels a little bit more aggressive in a way that i like and uh it's got just sort of a darker energy despite being about being free and i like that there's i and i can totally see using this to train for your pulitzer prize win And uh, again, like I said, second place. Now, the listeners put it in fifth place and gave it uh, five points, but I feel like that's a very respectable showing all around. Yes, I agree,
0: especially for things on the flip side of this album, which may not be recognizable. Although, as you said, everything got a vote.
1: So, Yeah, everything got at least one vote. And our next song actually got many more than one vote. It is Somebody's Eyes... By Oh, no, and sorry, it got two votes. Still, that's more than one, uh, and it's Somebody's Eyes by Carla Bonoff, which, though never uh, hit on the top 40, was a top 20 adult contemporary hit. So there are seven singles from this album in one way or another. But uh, I believe you have a clip for this song, Sarah? I do. Uh, Before I play it, I would like to note that uh, I had to look
0: up again her name, even while I was preparing this episode. <laughs> so before I had done that, I wrote it down as Boris Karloff. <laughs> but it's not her name. It is Carla Bonoff. Here's a clip of Somebody's Eyes. Just a reminder, yet another reminder, that this is a film about high school students dancing. <laughs> Love is no disguise from somebody's eyes. From what I understand, uh, the Carla Bonoff character character um, is sleeping with the married dude and is afraid that the wife is following them around. Yes. Or has bugged her, their, like, you know, fuck shack or whatever.
1: Right. Not appropriate for students. a high school student. Yeah. No. Also, no. the
0: chorus and the verse, like, tonally don't quite go together. Like, the verse, she's like, um, the minute you're, you know, the minute your dowdy ass goes to sleep, he comes straight to me. So, nah. And then in the, in the chorus, she's like, ooh, I'm creeped out because, like, you know, Big Sister is watching me fuck her husband. Like, which is it? Like, are we in the parallax view? Or are you, <sighs> like, salt but like, I'll take your man. Like, which? Decide, because you've got two songs going on here, and they're both extremely 80s. Like that, um, there's just like a saxophone that really needs to let you know about a lot of feelings that it's having.
1: Um, That's sexy sax.
0: Opening chords are like, once again, the the, uh, centrifuge has spun out strands of Sheena Easton, early decade Foreigner, Uh, But none of this is unpleasant. It is a very weird track about a movie in which uh, teenagers are rebelling against an oppressive religious leader played by the guy from Third Rock from the Sun. But here we all are together. So with that said, and, you know, there are songs that I liked better, but this stayed right in the high middle of the rankings for a while until it started dropping, and it's still my fourth place. Oh, nice! Song number six because there are just songs that I was like more meh or actively hated. So, good job, Boris Karloff. <laughs> <laughs> fourth place, six the points. Does somebody's eyes belong to Frankenstein?
1: Um, this is. I, I'm sorry, I realized I forgot an important fact about Almost Paradise, and I won't forgive myself if I don't mention that Dean Pitchford co-wrote it with Eric Carmen. Of all-by-myself fame and uh, uh, and Hungry Eyes. Yes. And then later, Eric Carmen and Dean Pitchford went on to co-write Eric Carmen's other big solo hit, Make Me Lose Control. I just listened to that on my old lady walk the other day. It's so good. So I feel like, if nothing else, Almost Paradise, it's neither of our favorite songs. But without it, we would not have Make Me Lose Control, which is such a great song. That's true. So... Some retroactive props to you, Almost Paradise, but bringing us back to Ms. (laughs) (laughs) Bone-Off. Like, maybe you should take the bone off of that married man and... uh, uh, Yeah, seriously. (laughs) uh, This song is one of the seven songs in this album that i would happily listen to again and you'll note that that would be the first seven so what does that say about the remaining two we'll get to that Mm. but (laughs) this song is I, i would listen to this song again it's just not a song that i am gonna seek out first if i'm walking somewhere and i only have two songs worth of time to spend with the footloose soundtrack it's never the song that i'm gonna choose but I'm not mad at it, so yeah. I put it in seventh place and gave it three points. And the listeners put it in eighth place and gave it two points.
0: It's also not like if you hear the clip that I just played, you will—and you don't know that it's Boris Bonoff—you uh, <laughs> you will guess seven or eight other artists, including like uh, maybe Patty Smythe,
1: I don't know, is that, or is that Laura Branigan? Is it Laura Branigan? Yes,
0: that—that's a believable Brannigan, Sure.
1: How about, is it Chloris Stroganoff? (laughs) Chloris Stroganoff.
0: Oh.
1: Well, perhaps now the time for laughter has ended. (laughs) Yes. Because now we've reached a song by Sammy Hagar before he was in Van Halen, when he was still just Sammy Hagar, called i honestly sarah i didn't even write down the full name of the song i just was i just wrote girl on my little list is it the girl gets around
0: it's called the girl gets around um it's first there's like almost 45 seconds of showing off with the guitar followed by this like anthem about how this slut um actually is giving him his life in bed but she's still a tramp um it sounds like it was assembled from a kit that they teach at, like, the School of Rock. Um, I just don't... Like, Sammy Hagar pre-Van Hagar was fine. Van Halen, I liked, you mean? I can drive... Yeah. No, I meant Van Hagar.
1: Oh, oh, sure. Okay, um, fair enough.
0: The, <laughs>
1: no, the, Mark. The, um, when I say Van Hagar, I mean Van Hagar. Yeah. Yeah, I do.
0: Uh, I don't dislike Van Hagar either. Like, I prefer David Lee Roth, but... Van Hagar's fine. He had that song for the Blue Angels. Uh, by himself, I can drive fifty-five. It's like, it's a fun song and a fun video. And I think he's basically like sex positive and not really a slut shamer. But this song is boring, and the message is uh off-putting. And this was number eight. Two points.
1: Well, and for me, from all accounts uh, that I've read, Sammy Hagar is a very nice guy. Like totally yep, down I to heard earth. That. He also wrote Rick Springfield's I Do Everything For You, which is mm-hmm. just such a great Rick Springfield song. I think we did a playlist of our favorite Rick Springfield songs at one point. And, yes, uh, we did. I do everything for you. You done nothing for me. So I love that song, Sammy Hagar. Well done. This one to me is, I just can't get with it. It it doesn't sound distinctive enough to make me care. And then when I start to pay attention and hear the slut shammy lyrics, I have to give it a thumbs down. So yep. I put it in last place with one point. And you, out. and you said eighth place for you. Yep. And this one only got a single vote from our patrons. <laughs> uh, I like that we always have some people on there, though, on our patron polls who will root for the underdog. Uh, but this still, they put it in ninth place all the same. So that's a that's a low return for for Samuel Hagar. Yeah.
0: I think he's going to be kicked out of the prom for spiking the punch, but we will see what people thought of Never,
1: which is the last song on the album. Um Not to be confused with Heart's Never, a song you could possibly remember if you heard it once. And
0: this is yet another, like, it just sounds sort of like Flock of Seagulls or Haircut 100. It's not them. It's Motion Pictures. Moving
1: Pictures, I think. Moving
0: Pictures. Uh They are Australian and you can tell. Um, In the singing, uh, just when you think you can't hear anything more stereotypically mid-80s than um, uh, Karla Karloff, uh, then there's this song, which has a little bit of Europe synth in it and um, some artery-bursting, herniated saxophone. I have zero recollection of the song now. I had zero recollection of it before I listened to it. It stayed on my head. In my On top of my brain, like oil on top of water, it will never seep in. <laughs> I don't care. Um, there are, yet again, lyrics for like a pained... Um, divorced person in his or her early 30s wailing about the pain burning in your eyes keep in mind that this is because lori no emotion singer is not permitted to frugge i don't (laughs) care this is the bonnie tyler song but with a dude and not committed to being bonkers so this was a snooze for me number seven three points
1: I listened to this song four times in preparation for this episode. Did I- you? I, wow. And I still cannot remember how it sounds <laughs> I'm not kidding I,
0: know.
1: I honestly cannot I thought you
0: were going to be like because I love it and you're not seeing the complexity Like no, no I just couldn't get it to stay in my head
1: I listened to it four times because I kept being like how does this sound How does this song go like what is this And I'll tell that you what
0: happened to me. I actually had to restart it because I'd gotten distracted by something on my desk And was like filing my nails and was like oh shit Like it flipped over on YouTube to like the next video And it was a song I liked better and like two songs went by and I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't taken any notes. Waps.
1: And I'll tell you what, Somebody's so Eyes, did. I listened to it one time and I was able to be like,
0: somebody's
1: eyes. Ooh, I'm watching. Watching.
0: Yeah, like so. We, we.
1: Yeah, totally. Didn't. And I. oh, so one sad thing is that moving pictures I learned in reading about them because of some record label problems with their American distributor never received any royalties for this song. Despite the fact that this album sold so many copies. So, oh, that sucks. Dudes, I feel your pain. Although, yeah, but it added nothing. Let's face yeah, it. Yeah, I feel your pain, and yet I cannot ameliorate it with a high score because I put it in eighth place with two points, mm. and <laughs> the listeners put it in seventh place with three points. And I would say, Sarah, this is probably one of our most aligned rankings i don't yeah. think, i don't know that we had anything in exactly the same place but everything was in the same region with the and exception yeah, everything, of
0: everything with the exception of footloose and i knew that i would be an outlier on that so um uh why don't you tell us what the king and the queen of our prom is and then who is our last place finisher i think we might have a tie
1: for uh, well, actually, last no, clown. it's because of... Uh, well, I'll tell you this. So these are the people who have been banned for from dancing at our prom. <laughs> in a very, very clear last place with a mere uh, four points is Sammy Hagar. Okay. But then... Bye, Sammy. Because they got two seventh place finishes, which gives them three points each, and an eighth place, which gives them two points, uh, with eight points in eighth place is moving pictures with never. Okay. Now, the leap from there up the chain is significant. Carla uh, Bonoff sure. was uh, in seventh place with eleven points, and then from there, your middle pack has fifteen points, seventeen points. Uh, but then our third place, our prom duchess, I suppose, is <laughs> of D is Bonnie Tyler with eighteen points. Okay. And then in second place, our prom king is kenny loggins with not footloose but i'm free
0: fascinating
1: yes 22 points to land in second place so w- i think it's not surprising that a kenny Le- loggins song made it but it is surprising that it's this kenny loggins song
0: i am shocked i really thought i was going to be out on a skinny limb of freedom with that one no but so, you you're fr- i excellent. hope you feel
1: free heaven helps the sarah and uh, yeah
0: it sure did
1: and in first place uh With a four-point lead over Kenny and our absolute prom queen, it is Denise Williams' Let's Hear It For The Boy, 26 points. Let's hear it for this song. Oh, it's number one today. Indeed. Well, thank you so
0: much for uh, helping us out on those uh, rankings, Patreon supporters and uh, other listeners. If you want in on that action, uh, visit our Patreon page and get in on it, because this is the real fun of these rankings, I think, is finding out what everyone else did and being shocked, stunned and either saddened
1: or gladdened. Yes, I completely agree. And... Uh, if you join us as a patron you not only get to vote in these polls you get special episodes that only the patrons get to hear and you get as much beef stroganoff as you can eat <laughs> made by boris carloff to you
0: by frankenstein
1: oh <laughs> uh, talk to you next time
0: Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. Tweet us at talk songs, Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash become a supporter and producer of the podcast visit our patreon page at patreon.com mastass and as always thank you for listening these are places that come now we can go Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.